is coming for you. That's what we're going to talk about today on Mr. Benj's ADD Experience Live. Shit. AI is coming for you. I was trying to think of whether I should pose this as a question or make it a statement, but it's a statement. AI is coming for your life. What does that mean? What's that all about? It means a lot of things, but I'm going to help you get through it. I'm going to help you talk through it. I've been studying computers and computer science for a while, and AI is a big part of that. Now it's obviously become the thing that's in vogue. I am not going to do a full AI lesson on this one, but if anybody has any questions or whatever, send them to me. And this isn't going to be the first time we talk about AI or the last time. So don't worry about it. You can put in your questions, comments, or whatever. I'm sure we'll cycle back around to it later. This time, I just wanted to give kind of a general talk discussion. People seem to be really, I don't want to say concerned, although there are people who are concerned out there. I don't want to say concerned, but I will say that a lot of people are very invested in what's going on in the world of AI. And that's true for a definite number of reasons, but I will get into that. First off, I definitely want to thank everybody for showing up and continuing to support. Make sure you check out my, my website, mrbenja.com. Link is in the bio as usual. One quick thing though, I did, I did not forget to you know, talk to you about the book that I'm working on, the book that I'm writing. What started out as a small book got really good to me because a lot of my ideas are in fact pretty good. So I decided to expand on it and it's become this, become this, I've read this pages now. It's just a little outline format of, of what it is right now. It's going to, and I decided to illustrate it with a lot of the scribble down kind of visuals you've seen. So that's coming soon. Try to have it out. I'm not going to put a date on it because I put a date on it before and then it changed and became something else. But Theo keeps bugging me to keep putting it, just keep doing it and get it out quickly. So I'll have to do that. And Theo, by the way, is my co-host on Show Versus Business. You should also check out if you want to hear me talk about Marvel and the money behind the media machine, et cetera, et cetera. But I actually started on time today. Thanks for that. So I'll just go ahead and get into it. What I was going to talk about and what I'm going to go through for this little bit of time we have here. AI is coming for your life. First off, artificial intelligence has been a term that's been used for a long while now. Same thing with the way we've used the terms VR the same way we've used the term metaverse and the same way we've used the term, you know, a lot of these tech terms, we just kind of throw them out there and we've been using AI for a long time, artificial intelligence, but that could have meant a lot of things. What we're fundamentally getting towards now though, that's different from the previous era. And I will discuss some other things about that, but what we're getting to is something special, something very different. If you haven't been watching the news lately, you may not, you may not have heard that chat GPT, the premier artificial intelligence platform that was created by OpenAI, the company OpenAI, that is the, that is the place where everybody's getting all excited about AI from. They've had the fastest user adoption rate in all of software application history, I believe. They went from zero to millions of users within, within days, faster adoption than Facebook, 
Instagram, TikTok, etc. People are jumping on it. It's not just a fad. They're jumping on it. They're staying on it. They're finding new ways to use it, finding new ways to expand on it, so on and so forth. It's really powerful technology. And it's changing everything. And it touches all areas of life. But as I said, it's not just, you know, you trying to play chess against a computer and calling that AI. It's not just, you know, picking up the phone and being able to speak to a computerized voice and it understands that you want to check a balance on one of your accounts or you want to, you know, order a pizza and you can do it through this calling voice system. A little more advanced. What we're dealing with when we're getting into AI properly, artificial intelligence, the one that we're, everyone is so concerned about, you start getting into this concept called machine learning. Now, I'm not going to go through all of the pieces of AI in this one. This is not an introductory ex explanation kind of thing. This is just about how it affects your life. If you want a full breakdown and explanation, let me know, and maybe I'll come back around and do a full discussion course talk or whatever on what AI is. But suffice to say, intelligence means you have intel and you can do something with it. The intel is the, the, the data and the information that's been generated or stored somewhere that you can keep going back to and you can learn from. You had this idea of saying, oh, okay, well, I know what a cat is. I know what a dog is. And then you know, a mouse comes along, you're like, okay, I can tell because what I've learned so far is that that's not a cat and that's not a dog. It's something else. I need to figure out what it is. Someone tells that system, hey, this is something different. It's a mouse. Oh, okay. The system starts to learn. It starts to categorize on its own. This is machine learning where you've got some data, some processes, and some new sets of input. And as you give it more data, it adds, it processes it, it figures it out and starts to try to create a network of synapse-like structures. A neural net is mostly what these big computer companies use. A synaptic type structure, gosh, I'm, I'm butchering this definition. A structure that basically mimics a human brain where it takes in this input, figures it out through some processes, stores that data, organizes that data, and starts making inferences from that data. So it starts to understand, okay, I've seen something like this before. I can make this kind of judgment call based on that. Oh, I've seen pictures of this person before. This is probably him as he's getting older, or this is yeah, you know, you just keep on giving it information and it's learning from all the information it's giving, given, and it's learning from your valuation of that, of that input. So if you say, no, that's bad, the computer starts to figure out, okay, this is not wanted. Or you say, oh, that's good. The computer starts to figure out, okay, that is what's wanted. And you start training the system and it starts learning. That's where you hear a lot about training, you know, a computer system. It needs to be taught like a child, you know, okay, this is water, this is juice, this is something you drink, this is what you don't drink. You eat off a plate, you don't eat off the floor. You use your 
fork or knife or utensil instead of your fingers. And then the child's like, oh, okay, well, unless you have a hot dog or pizza. And it's like, oh, really? There's something different, et cetera, et cetera. Learning. So all this information stacks on top of each other and starts to inform the system on how it should behave next. So that's where the intelligence of, and the, of what we're talking about comes in. This new artificial intelligence. It's not new, but it's new to the public and it's new in its current form. So yes, now you have machine learning. Now you have ideas of getting to this whole Skynet level of, of danger that people are kind of concerned about. And it is legitimately concerning because as you'll, as you'll come to see, there are a lot of ways that this could go wrong. And maybe people outside of computers, you don't get the whole idea of, well, this is built by people. This is built with people in mind. How does it have the possibility to go out of control? Why can't we just build something that stays in control? Well, the whole idea is that it's learning. It's figuring things out. And there's just far too much information to parse through to understand what's going to come out of the other side until the output actually comes out the other side. These systems are just that complex and that's the nature of it all. So just like with a child or a pet or a dog or any, any person, it doesn't have to be a child. It could be a grown person. You know, you tell them, Hey, don't go here. Don't go there. And then they end up there anyway. You're like, I thought I told you not to go there. It's like, I didn't go there. I was taken there. It's like, Oh, I, that's not what I meant. I did. I meant don't end up there at all. And then you get into argument, et cetera, et cetera. Hopefully that example made sense, but basically just like with people, you can't predict exactly what they're going to do based on the information they've been giving. And same thing with computers, which are, I don't want to say more complex than people, but they're harder to reason with and they're harder to understand in terms of, Hey, I thought you were going to do this and you did something else, or I didn't know how you did it. It's funny, this is actually the nature of how AI works, how the large neural networks work. And that's, that's the name of the, the way they hook together these data structures. They're, they're called neural networks. It's like it mimics a brain where you have these different neurons, they're connecting pieces of data, connecting pathways, and you start to end up with more and more human-like responses, hence artificial intelligence. Else, I spent a little too much time explaining that, but hopefully that helps you out. As said, please, please comment on anything that I may have missed or that you didn't quite get. But before we jump into this a little more, I wanted to point out something from this book, Dynamics of Software Development. This is an old school book, 1995. There's a new version of it online. If you want to check it out, it's still got a lot of pertinent information for any software developers or people trying to get a look into how the software development mind kind of works. There may be better books for just general reading, but there's a new updated version of this too. I have a link in the bio if you want to check that out. But it goes through a lot and it's developed by one of the main software engineers, or the director, I'm sorry, the director of the Visual C++ project for Microsoft. And I just want to read this little segment right quick for you. It says, uh, in talking about the death march, the, the final push into getting a project out, this, this excerpt is from 
the, the death march, the final push chapter of the book, dynamics of software development. So that's the setup here. And it's talking about the designers and developers. Here's the quote. Their beautiful imaginative design has degenerated into a shipping product. Ugly compromises have been made along the way. They know how many bugs they're shipping with. They know how deformed and inelegant the code is. There are huge expanses of brittle code that no one understands. They are afraid that it doesn't really work. While they're not proud of that, there's a kind of pride that emerges, the pride of veterans, of survivors. They have faced combat and lived. So that was a little quote from this book. But the one part of that that I really wanted to key in on is, and this, this touches all types of developers in large complex systems, where he says, there are huge expanses of brittle code that no one understands. If you've ever worked for a large corporation or worked with a large data system or a complex data set, you will understand that at some point you kind of don't know what's going on underneath the, you just hope. Most of you don't know what's going on in your car, but if you're dealing with a mechanic, you can figure it out pretty quickly. Code is much more complicated than that. You're dealing with much more information variables, et cetera. And you kind of don't know to a large certainty what's going to happen when you run it. And you don't know what's going on at any given point because it's just that complex. And that's the backdrop I want to put for going into AI and how it's coming for our lives. It's now at a place where we really don't understand it. We know what's going on. We know, I mean, we know what we're putting into it. We know, you know, what possibilities may happen, but there's a lot we don't, there's a lot we don't expect. So I've, uh, I've signified, I've written down, identified four, four ways that it's fundamentally different from other pieces of the the tech landscape that we've seen before. And, and maybe this should let you know why AI is a little bit different and why it should be taken with a little more care than other technology. For number one, the digital landscape isn't limited by physical constraints. So first of all, you know, when you have a new technology, a new tool, you're usually thinking of something that's an extension of our physical abilities. Like, you know, you need a telescope to see farther, you need a hammer to hit harder. You need gloves to, you know, protect your skin more. You need these extensions. And most of them have been extensions of our physical world. When we talk about driving, when we talk about our, our energy system, these are all extensions of the physical world, right? You know, flying, flying, driving, the subway system. These are all extensions of what we can do in the physical world. Now, when we have massive changes that are all in the digital world, the thing that makes that different is there really is no limit or, or the limits are far, far reduced, right? I mean, if you're talking about a limit, you're, you're may, you may be dealing with how fast a computer processor can go or how much information can be safely stored on a hard drive. But for the most part, you know, you can't, you can't fathom how much data 
can just be saved and stored. And it's starting to get towards this point where it's all digital and there is not much of a physical limit to it, especially when you're dealing with text, which is a lot of what this AI is dealing with text. So that's number one. Digital is not limited by physical constraints. So that's a major difference. Second major difference. AI can reach out in multiple steps. As I said, when you're dealing with a technology, usually it's a one-step technology, meaning like a calculator, you throw out a number, it throws something back. You're like, cool, I got that. One step and it's back. A car, you get in it, you drive. That's kind of one thing and it's done. Plane, you get in it and you fly one thing and it's done. Obviously, you can fly, fly back or do other things while you fly, etc. You can layer flying with picking up stuff or driving with moving things. You can layer stuff, but it's still kind of one and done, right? With with a, a technology that is like AI that's digital, that knows how to go multiple steps. So now when I ask the calculator, give me five times five, that's one step. If I ask the calculator, give me five give me the number of people multiplied by five that are in the neighborhood Denny's right now, Denny's restaurant. So that's a multiple step process. You're like, wait a minute. It has to first find the Denny's, then count the number of people in the Denny's, then multiply that by five. We've only said one instruction, but it counts for all these multiple steps that the computer, the AI system has to figure out itself. So that's a interesting thing because it's not physical, it's digital it can go out and start figuring out multiple steps at a time. And because it can do multiple steps, now you're getting into the computers, quote unquote, thinking a little bit. They're building their own algorithms. Well, I got to do this, then this, then this, step one through in whatever. And all of a sudden it's going to go do all those steps instead of doing the one thing. Once again, you can think of people when you're talk talking about this. When you tell a computer, go get me something, you tell a person, go get me something like, Hey, go get, go get dinner. First of all, it has to figure out, okay, who am I getting dinner for? Who, where am I going? How much food should I get? What's it going to cost? How's my transportation? Is the restaurant even open, et cetera, et cetera. That's like seven steps right there. I just mentioned, but a person can figure all those steps out very quickly and come back. Now with a computer system and all digital, the computer starts having all to figure out all these steps itself. That's another major change. Most tools in technology, as I said, are one step where it's like, I want to do this one thing. Show me how to do this one thing and get the answer right back. You, as I said, you may layer, you may chain steps together, but now the system is able to go out and do these separate steps itself. Another big change there. Third major change. These work, AI can work in the background. And by the background, I mean... You don't necessarily need your computer system to be on or actively dealing with you to work. When you, you know, when, if you think of old school tools, like a hammer, you have to actively be doing something for it to work for a car to work. You have to actively be driving it for a, for even a fork to work. You have to actively be holding it. These are simple tools. I know I'm mentioning here, but like even a plane, you have to actively be flying it. Even if it's on autopilot, you have to stop, set it on autopilot. And it's still kind of only doing one thing. It's just kind of maintaining certain numbers based on your, based on your desired 
qualifications to your desired parameters. That's the word I'm looking for. So yeah, parameters basically stay in the air, don't die, whatever. Those are your parameters for flying. So having something that works in the background, this means that we can basically leave our system or leave the program to go do whatever it's supposed to do, or we want it, whatever we want it to do. And we have to hope that it's going to do the right thing. We can come back in the morning and see that it did something we didn't want it to do, but it's working on its own without us. It doesn't need to stop and ask us questions. Well, it might need to stop and ask us questions. For the most part, it's like you let it go, go about your business, you come back and it's AI can start doing this for you where it's just working in the background. And it can also do remote processes. I'll put that in the same little category to do something remotely. You don't necessarily have to be right there dealing with it. It's just going to go do it. And the number four thing that's different about this technology, it enables, and this is probably the most important thing. It enables an infinite networking. And what I mean by infinite networking, if you think about this is kind of a complex one. I'll not explain this exactly here. There's an infinite number of connections that are networked when you start dealing with artificial intelligence. If you think of a group of people, you know, think of five friends, Al, Brian, Christine, Diana, and it. At first, you know, you just have Al and Brian talking to each other and Al has to go to Brian. Brian responds to Al, et cetera. Al has, then goes and talks to Christine. Christine gives some information to Brian. Brian passes that information back to Al, et cetera. There are these connections of people, right? People. And that's normally what happens in a human network or a network of institutions like companies or something like that you have, or countries even, where you have a certain number of them and they're just moving information back between each other. So... In a computer system, though, you have this idea of agents. And if I don't have the answer, or I'm working on one answer, I can't duplicate myself and have somebody else work with me alongside of me. A computer system or a set of computer agents can do that, where inside this Inside this computing system, this AI network, if I have, and we'll call them agents, just like in the matrix, agents, an autonomous computer program kind of doing its own thing, trying to go about its business. Just like the matrix, agents start copying themselves and showing up in different places. And once, and this could just be as easy as, you know, control C, control V, you know, you copy something. And you've got another version of that same thing doing work. So if there are, if there are 25 different answers that could be, that could be researched, you as a human, you'd have to go work through number one, number two, number three, et cetera, to number five. Computer can take that and go, well, instead of working through that, I'll spend just a little bit of time copying myself 25 times. Each of us will go in turn, do all of these items, and then all come back at the same time and compare results. Now, what if each of those items, you know, Al, Brian, Christine, who did I say, Danielle and Ed, Ed 
you have an infinite number of copies of these that you can make. And all of a sudden, all of these people can share information. They can pass information back and forth. They can try different things out. Some can try and some can fail. Some can fail miserably. Some can succeed spectacularly. And they can all start comparing notes. But what I'm saying is you have this infinite network effect. And if you know how powerful networking is in society, imagine that with computers where this one computer or agent, computer agent, starts talking to another computer trying to figure something out. That other computer program may have already figured it out and said, you know what, you don't need to go through all that work. Here's your answer or here's an, an answer. And then another agent comes around and says, hey, that answer's good, but let me give you this other answer in this other language. And it says, oh, that's interesting. Here's another answer in this language. And you start, if you start getting into mathematics, you've seen the linear progression, the line that goes, you know, from one to two to three to four. Um, but if you start going exponentially, you start going from one to two to four to eight to 16 to 32. You've all heard about that, right? Like if you double a penny, you know, like 32 times and you've got this huge ginormous number, you've heard about that. This is the power of AI being able to have an infinite network effect. There is no hard limit. We're, we're being limited by computing power, obviously, and the data storage, but for trying to figure out how to network through things, there's kind of an infinite, practically infinite. So those four things may have sounded weird, but these are ways that are fundamentally different than previous technologies. And the weird thing is with these common, this combination of technologies, or I should also mention, I guess the black box, I'll put that as number five, this works in a black box. And what that means is we see what we put in and we see what we get out from the other side. We don't know what goes on inside and we don't know exactly how it got the answer that it did. We just kind of know that it did what it did and gave us the answer we were looking for. This is kind of concerning because we can start putting things in and get answers that we don't want, that we didn't expect, or that could be very dangerous, in fact. So that's important to consider. It's a black box. Yeah, let that is. So given that that's the case, this technology is going to change lives. It is, already is changing lives. Is that for the good or for the bad? Just like with any major technology shift, there is good and there is bad that can be taken from it. What I implore you to do is find this technology and start trying to do good things with it. Start trying to learn it, start trying to understand it, start trying to build on it. Start trying to see where it can take you and see where it may cause you issues because if your job is to simply read through documents and take down notes in the document, AI is going to be able to take your job. If you simply you know, change, change minor visuals and change certain colors of things like in videos or photos or whatever, you might need to pack it up because AI is going to take your job. Or let me, let me take that back. 
AI is not going to take your job. Somebody using an AI system will probably make your job irrelevant. You won't be able to get by in a lot of these, you know, information, white collar jobs just through sheer, you know, force of will because the computer is going to simply be able to outdo you. These AI systems are going to outdo you in that area. Is there a place for humans? Absolutely. But I think we have to start embracing and going toward those places for humans instead of trying to fight against the machine so much and make sure the machines are in their place doing what they do where they are. Otherwise, you're just going to get frustrated and lose out on things. So, yeah, I hope that made sense. It wasn't as comprehensive as I wanted it to be, but this is AI. It's a very large discussion area. So I hope that helped out in some respects, and I hope that you have a little bit better understanding of why this technology is so much different. It's able to do things that we hadn't, we, we just hadn't considered before, and we hadn't considered it real until just recently. Like, it was still kind of fantasy stuff that we thought was 30 years out, maybe, and suddenly we're talking about three years out from serious, serious implications to our lifestyle. I mean, is it all smoke and mirrors and people are just saying it's a glorified search? For anyone says it's a glorified search, we're, we're, that's just scratching the surface of it. That's like saying, you know, that's like saying email is, if you think back in the day, that's like saying, well, email, that's just a, that's just the same thing as, you know, writing, writing people letters, same thing. It's like, no, no. Email opens the door for all kinds of different discussions, discussion threads, you know, mobile texting starts to come off that, you know, you start getting all these other ideas and technologies. It's not the same thing. AI is far more than glorified search and people will want to fight you. AI doesn't know how to create art. It can't create something that's very, it can't create something beautiful. And I'm like, actually it can't. It may not know that it's beautiful, but it can create it. I mean, that's just a, a matter of fact. And if you don't think it can, that's where you've messed up. Because it doesn't have to know how to create anything beautiful. It's just going to create 10,000 things in the time you could have thought to create one thing. And out of those 10,000 things, by chance, one of them is probably going to be beautiful. And if another computer program knows how to read through all of those images and pick one that it thinks are beautiful, then you start to have a problem. Then you start to maybe understand that, oh, okay, I see how we could start getting somewhere dangerous because I can't create 10,000 items at once, but this computer can. And what are the chances that I make something beautiful? Just becomes a very interesting time, right? So, all right, well, that's it for me for this one. Uh, I promise I'd keep these around a half hour. Let me know if you have any questions, comments, concerns. My name is Benjamin Johnson, a.k.a. Mr. Benja. Get at me. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit MrBenja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.